Hello and welcome to the Mission Recovery Podcast. My name is Maruf Ahmed and I'm the co-founder of Quit Genius, the world's leading digital clinic for substance addictions. I'm going to be speaking to inspiring individuals about their journey to addiction recovery. Recovery should be celebrated and the goal of Mission Recovery is to break down the stigma surrounding addictions and to empower others to live addiction-free lives. This is Mission Recovery. Hello and welcome to the Mission Recovery Podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Justin Khan. Many of you know Justin as he was the co-founder of Justin TV and Twitch, the world's largest video site, which he ultimately sold to Amazon for a cool billion dollars. Justin is also a huge inspiration to me and one of my role models. So I'm so happy to have him on the show. Justin, thank you so much for being here. How have you been? I'm good. I'm great. Excellent. Thank you for having me. I'm so, so glad to, to have you on the, the podcast. The first observation I have, Justin, is your hair's grown so much since I last spoke to you. Yeah, it's, uh, I think I've got two years now of growth. It's looking good. I got past the awkward stage. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually struggling to find a, a hairdresser at the moment during lockdown. So I'm definitely very much in the awkward stage at this moment in time. I'm probably going to have to uh, resort to cutting it myself at some point, Justin. But before we jump into things, Justin, I should start by congratulating you on the launch of your podcast, The, the Quest. I've been following it and it's been amazing. The latest episode with Jason Marr was very profound. Um, I bet that's been keeping you very busy lately. Yeah, it's been fun. That one was pretty wild, right? Like he has some amazing stories, such a dynamic and colorful, but really good human being. 100%. I don't think I've ever listened to a podcast longer than an hour other than that episode. So props to you for, for keeping me engaged that whole time and Jason as well. So for the listeners, uh, I, I should add a bit of context on as to how I know Justin. So Justin and I met when Quit Genius uh, was just getting started at Y Combinator. And Justin was a mentor to myself, my co-founders, and everyone else in the batch. And my distinct memories of my interactions with you, Justin, were pestering you every other week to invest in Quit Genius. Yes, I love your persistence. And I love what you're doing. The, the mission is great. The persistence is great. And I feel like you guys are onto something really powerful. No, appreciate it. Appreciate it, Justin. And there's still time to invest. I'll, I'll be pestering you again for when the Series B comes about. Uh, Justin, I'd love to start initially with the amazing story of you founding Twitch. So please tell us, how did it all start? Sure. So um, I'll give the quick overview because I know, you know, we want to cover a lot of stuff. So you know, Justin TV started off as uh, our second startup. We had one in Y Combinator beforehand uh, that was called Kiko. It was a web calendar. And with our second startup, Justin TV, it started off as us almost like a wild lark. You know, we were just saying we, we had this idea to create our own live video feed of 24-7 live video and uh, of my life kind of running around San Francisco trying to build a startup. And so that was what we did. And we launched it back in 2007. It turns out it was not of the biggest smash hit that we thought it would be. Uh, it was, you know, it was kind of um, like people would show up and they were like, wow, this show is boring, right? Like it turns out the things that you do in starting a startup are not that interesting to watch. And so uh, we luckily turned it into a platform for anyone to live video, broadcast live video. And from there, 
you know, worked on that. It grew Justin TV to be a top 250 website in the world, and then eventually pivoted to Twitch, uh, which was a category on Justin TV. It was like the gaming category on Justin TV, and my co-founder Emmett uh, Shear and uh, our uh, COO Kevin Lin really loved that content, and so they were like, "Hey, let's work on this." and uh, eventually we, we grew it and grew and grew it and became the Twitch that everybody knows and loves today. And, uh, is now, you know, pretty big company inside of Amazon in its own right. Yeah, absolutely. Huge, huge company. And, um, congrats once again to, to all your success there. And then after that, Justin, I'd love to touch on, uh, the stint that you had at Y Combinator, uh, as a partner. So, uh, do you mind just talking a little bit about that experience and how it was to help so many successful companies? Sure. Yeah. So since then, I've been an investor, you know, in Silicon Valley. Uh, first, a Y Combinator, and now I have my own fund called Goat Capital. And really, the common thread is just investing in early stage startups and trying to help those founders grow their businesses and get off the ground. You know, try to get them the uh, launched. Right. It's like a like a landing strip or something like that, where we're trying to get people their startups launched in the in the stratosphere. And so, really enjoy helping companies. Um, I think some of the highlights for me are, are the ability to just mentor people who are dynamic and excited and and building something that they think can change the world. That's one. And and then I love learning. I find that the work of being an investor is like forever fascinating, you know? And um, that's why I like it so much. Plus, I mean, it's an easy job. Let's be honest. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I'd I'd love to at some point be on the other end of the uh, of the pitching panel because yeah, being a founder can be can be tough at times. I know we're going to uh, speak about that in a in a bit of detail. But uh, one one quick story I want to touch on before we jump into the meat of things, and and that's obviously you've helped a, a number of uh, successful companies as a mentor, um, none bigger than Airbnb. So you're going to have to uh, tell the listeners the story of how how you got Airbnb into into YC. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just say that like I did almost nothing. So I deserve like very little credit. I think there's a lot of whenever any company becomes successful, people come out of the woodwork to credit claim. And that's like, I'm, I, I want to make it clear that uh, I, I did almost nothing. My co-founder, Michael, did a lot. And Michael was mentoring the Airbnb guys in the early days. And they would come over to our office and uh, he would give them advice like on product and stuff like that. And one time they'd come over, this was in 2008, uh, the fall or winter of 2008, and they were pretty discouraged. You know, they had launched the site a couple of times. They had almost no customers. It was not, it was not working and they were going to give up. And we were actually celebrating at the time that, that night we were, we had just closed a big advertising deal. I think it was with Microsoft. And so we said, oh, we're going out to dinner. You guys want to come? And so Joe and Brian, who were um, two of the three founders, they were the ones who were actually in San Francisco at the time, uh, said, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we'll come to dinner. And we went to dinner and I said, actually my co-founder Emmett uh, said, Hey, you should think about doing Y Combinator because you have nothing to lose. Basically, you know, you have no, there's nothing to lose. And they were like, Oh, isn't Y Combinator for startups that haven't launched yet? You know, we've already launched. And we were like, no, you know, it's, it's for everybody um, early stage. So you should consider doing it. And so on our phone, you know, on my phone, I went to Y Combinator's website and it said the applications were closed. And so they were excited about it. And we talked to them, they were excited about it. And I, so I emailed from dinner, like on my, it was a Palm pilot at the time, like a Palm trio or something. I, I emailed uh, Paul Graham, the founder of Y Combinator, who was running it at the time and said, Hey, you should take a look at this company. 
you know, we think they're, they, they have revenue. They're pretty good. These founders are like pretty excited. And he emailed back and I was like, you know, the application is closed, but could you take a look at them? And he emailed back and said, yes, I'll, um, uh, if they apply tonight. And so I told Brian and Joe, and then they, they went home that night, like immediately they were like excited. They went home and they filled out the application and, uh, eventually, you know, then they got an interview, they got into YC and then that's really what made them kind of get the kickstart to really go to New York and really kickstart Airbnb community there. Uh, and that's then the rest is history. A very, very important email. Uh, and, and obviously now that they're, they're public and yeah, I think you're um, very much being humble, but definitely a lot of credit has to go to you because they're, they're very open about how Y Combinator was, was such a big part of their success. Now, Justin, you've been very public about your experience with alcohol. Um, and if you don't mind, I'd like to dive into it a little bit more today. So let's maybe rewind to the beginning, if it's okay with yourself, Justin. And do you mind just talking about your first interactions with, with alcohol and how it all started? Yeah. You know, so I, first thing I should say is like, I love alcohol. Like I love drinking. I haven't had a drink in two years, but I love drinking. And I don't know if that'll ever change, you know, but um, I had my first drink when I was 13. I want to say I was in eighth grade and uh, I was on a flight with, uh, for like this class trip that my, my class took. And it turns out like we could get alcohol from the stewardess. So I had my first drink. It was a screwdriver, you know, uh, orange juice and vodka and had the drink and like kind of felt this like warm feeling. And that was, that was my first drink I ever had. And then when I was in high school, you know, I went to parties or whatever with friends. I didn't drink that much, but I, you know, did drink. And my cousin, I remember would give me, like schnapps or something like that, you know, like Bailey's and like, and like mint schnapps, like disgusting drinks, but you know, they were, they were ones that almost like as a kid, you know, like I liked. And so I drank in high school and then I I drank in, in college. Um, You know, I drank heavily in college. Like I was, I would drink five, five nights a week, um, you know, and uh, really at that point it was, you know, it was really a way for me, you know, I was, I was an, I'm an extrovert or I'm kind of an ambivert, but I'm more on the extroverted side. And I always wanted to connect with people. And for me, I was always shy though, when I was a kid. And so alcohol was a way that I could drink and I would, it was like, boom, I was, you know, I, I, before alcohol, I was, I was Clark Kent. And then when I drank, it was like, I was fucking Superman, you know? And so for me, alcohol was a way I could be confident. I could be the person I wanted to be. I was funny. I was confident. You know, I could talk to other people. I felt like I could connect with other people. And so that was the crutch. And that's what really made me love it so much. And I think that's why, you know, I drank heavily through college and then beyond that, like well into my professional adult life. I guess at what point did you think in your head, Justin, damn, this is a problem and I need to do something about it? Well, sort of thinking that like, Pretty early on, right? Because like at, by the time I was in college, and then you know, uh, kind of afterwards, and I had you know I was starting startups. Like I never had a job, so I was always starting startups. I would, you know, in college, I was like drinking a lot and getting blackout drunk and just waking up, you know, in my bed, like clothes on, contacts in, you know, fairly regularly. Or I, you know, my college roommates nicknamed me nine fifty nine because I'd pass out before ten p.m. You know, like oftentimes I'd like start drinking like it eight and just be donezo in like two hours. And, um, 
you know, then so that was like kind of a problem, but it wasn't like, like the environment of college in America is, is kind of like that's happened. Like a lot of people are doing that. So it's, you don't really feel like, Oh, this is like alcohol addiction, right? You feel like, Oh, this is just what people do. So then I got out into the professional world and I'm like building my startup and running startups and I was still drinking a lot. Like we would unwind drink. And I'd, I'd like, I remember like things that were stressful. I would drink when like to, to de-stress. So in the early days when I started my first company is company called Kiko. I would like uh, have a night. I started like drinking at night, like right before bed because I was um, stressed out about things. You know, I having relationship problems or start problems, whatever it was, I would drink before bed. And I was like, Oh, that's not, that's kind of weird. Right. That's like not healthy necessarily. It seemed like kind of like, but it, there was also like a romanticization of it in my mind. Right. I was like, Oh, you know, I'm like a man and I'm like, this is how I like get out my feelings or whatever. So then later on I would like drink super heavily when like things went bad and start. So like, I remember years later, like an employee quitting, right? Like a key employee quit one of my companies. And I, I like drink a fifth of gin, no, a fifth of, uh, of Jameson, like by myself, almost like probably like 90% of the bottle. Um, and I was just completely obliterated. Like I was like crying, rolling around on my, on my bedroom floor, my living room floor. And, you know, it just like, it was like, pretty like rough. Right. Like, and so, you know, that was kind of just how I got out my, I've always like escaped from my present moment circumstances whenever things emotionally got too tough. So, you know, I was always difficult. It was very difficult for me to, to sit with my emotions for my feel, my feelings of maybe anxiety or, or sadness or regret. And I would, so I would drink as a way to, to escape from them. And then, you know, kind of continued that on. And over time, actually, when I got into my thirties, my drinking kind of was less, uh, I was less like doing, you know, kind of outrageous, you know, I mean, there was a lot of like stories in there, probably like any random person who drinks a lot where I would like get into fights or like do things I wasn't proud of, or like, you know, whatever, get blackout and do just like degenerate, terrible things. And then finally, um, when I was in my 30s it kind of tapered off you know i was getting older like hangovers were getting worse i just like didn't i wasn't getting as 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 messed up as i used to but it was still like a lot you know i was still like i'm drinking three drinks a week at night at dinner i'll just like have a drink then have dinner whatever and like i'll wake up in the morning and just feel exhausted like it really was like occupying a lot of my time right and so from at that at a certain point i just said hey like this is you know, this is too much i kind of realized it was a crutch and I, I quit and decided to quit. And I, at that point, you know, I love, I love drinks and I, I probably drank 10,000 drinks in my whole life, you know, or more, maybe like 15,000. Like, like I loved all drinks. I loved champagne and the celebration of, of that. I love whiskey and I love vodka, gin, like all spirits. I love beer. I love shitty beer, you know, like Miller, Miller light uh, all the way through like craft beers. And I love, I love wine. So, I mean, I really did love drinking, you know, a lot. And so to me, it was, but I had kind of tried every type of drinking, every variation. I, I tried every way to limit my drinking. I tried, okay, I'm only going to drink beer. I'm just going to drink one drink a night. I'm just going to drink on the weekend, I'm, you know, and it never worked, right? And I had tried to quit several times or like say, oh, I need a detox. So I'm going to quit for a month or three months. Or whatever. And I was always felt like I was white knuckling it the whole time. You know, yeah. like I was like, just, I was just, I got to get through this three months and then I'm going to come, you know, then I'm going to go hard again or whatever. I'll be okay. You know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to get straight for a little while and then I'm going to, I can, you know, go back to it just to prove I can control it. But then I'd be like really stressing every day. I'd be, I, you know, I was like, oh, I need, 
I need a drink or I, I started smoking weed a lot one time than when I was, when I was trying to quit drinking. So, you know, it's, it was, uh, it was, a, it was hard. And it's interesting that you're using the terminology like loving drinking. Um, and it's something that, that I've heard before as well. But um, I guess like when you then went from there and loving drinking to that trigger in your mind when you were like, hey, I need to stop. What did you then like miss the most about drinking for the next like six or so months? Yeah. So actually when I said I'm going to quit and I'm never going to drink again, it became much easier to quit because before it was always like, oh, I'm going to take a pause. But then it's like, oh. It's coming back. But when I said, I'm going to quit, I'm never going to drink again because it's destructive for me in my life and I can love it and still recognize it's destructive. Then to me, that was, it was very easy to say, well, I mean, it was much easier, relatively easy to say, okay, I'm going to stop. And I, uh, it was about three months where I was like, okay, you know, I, I kind of craved it, but after three months, it was, the cravings were, were gone for me. You know, I was also exercising a lot which I think helped because not drinking really made me like able to exercise in the morning, like very regularly, you know, a lot. And so that, that helped me quite a bit. And uh, I've heard from a number of folk on how exercise can help a lot with craving. So that's really, really helpful to hear. And I guess like uh, on top of that, Justin, when, when you did decide that you did want to quit, how did you go about doing it? What did you end up doing to quit? Was it just a momentary like decision or uh, did you end up seeking support to, to help you on that journey? Well, so I did something that I'm, I hear you're not supposed to do and you're probably more the expert than I am. So you can tell me, I was like, I know what works for me is that I am a person who cares a lot what other people think, right? Which is not a super attractive thing to admit, but I'm, I'm comfortable with myself now. And so I'm, I can say it. And so I'm like, I'm going to announce publicly, like on social media and to my friends, I'm going to never drink again. And here's my history with drinking. I'm never drinking again. So here's my journey and we'll see what happens. And that was like kind of, and then I, that was one thing. And then the second thing was I used a habit tracker to like a street tracker to track my streaks. And so I could see, oh, it was like one day, day, you know, day one, I press this button, day two, press this button. So I could see it building up. And those were the two techniques that I used to kind of keep myself dry and, it really worked, you know, it worked for me, but I hear that you're not supposed to announce it to other people because then if you relapse, it's like, you know, extra, extra bad. Uh, you don't want to tell anyone about it or anything. So I don't, I don't know if that's the right tr strategy for everyone. No, 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 absolutely. I think with, with this, Justin, it's whatever works best for yourself. And and like you said, because you announced it to everyone, obviously you've got a big following on, on Twitter. You created that social accountability, which worked for yourself. And like you said, you know yourself, but better than anyone else. So absolutely like that, that is definitely a, a great technique. But then also I'm really interested on the second technique that you mentioned on, on using this, this streaks app uh, and that habit tracker, because actually if we break that down, that's in essence, the core of behavior change, trying to change a habit um, and addressing the psychological part of your addiction, uh, if we quote unquote addiction, because there are often the, these two parts to addiction, right? The physical part of addiction that, that most people give a lot of time to and give the spotlight to, but that psychological part is often, I guess, neglected. Uh, and right. it's interesting to see how, yeah, I guess you started with that and how that was so successful because that often is the core to um, a lot of cravings because you have that trigger, you see that friend that you always drink with, and then you, you want to have a drink. So um, it's really interesting how how you started with that and how that was so successful. 
Yeah. So I would say to break it down into the psychological versus physiological. So on the physiological side, I think exercise was the way that I addressed that, right? Because it was like mm. a good feeling in contrast to what I was doing before, which was like not exercising as regularly or like really struggling with exercising in the morning because I was like hungover. And then in the terms of the psychological, I really do think I started there. That's a good observation where you know, the streak is almost like it, it's your opening. It's very simple. It's a, it's a psychological trick. You open this app in a habit tracker and then you press a button and then it, it makes a little sound and then that's it, right? Like it shows you how many days in a row you did that thing. So you can use it for positive habits. Like, uh, you know, you want to meditate every day or you can use it for a negative habit. Like I want to quit drinking, right? And the interesting thing for me about, about it was it's like a little gamification on a real world thing. It's like not that important, but it's just that little nudge um, and so that really helped me kind of create a positive feedback loop around not drinking and pressing this button and, um, you know, other if you, like AA or something like that has a similar thing, right. Where it's like tokens or chips, right. Like you get your like one day chip or one month or whatever. It's like the same thing. It's like gamification for your real life. And in fact, I like that technique so much that I built a habit tracker app with some friends that's called Kin and you can check it out. It's live now at kinapp.co. And um, to encapsulate some of the social accountability and uh, and habit formation stuff that we were always excited about um, that we saw in other apps, but really combining them into into one habit tracking app. And so um, it's a free app, and I just you know it's not a startup; it's a labor of love, just a project. Uh, and so you can check it out. Yeah, absolutely. I love how a lot of these techniques that you've been using um, and that you almost came across by default actually have a, a, a really big evidence base behind them. So there's a lot of research behind all of this, like gamification in changing health behavior, changing your like habits. And as a result of that, addressing the psychological part of addiction, but also that social side of things and everything that comes with social accountability, whether that's sharing it with your Twitter followers, or I know you also created that Telegram group for, for a number of other people where you can almost share feelings and, and share um, share thoughts and share experiences that others are going through so you can really relate to them. So it's really interesting how you've almost like uh, done all of this and amalgamated all of this, but there's a lot of evidence base behind all of this that you've done. That's, that's funny. Yeah, it was just, it was really about figuring out, you know, kind of doing it live. Right. I was just, I wasn't looking anything up. I just kind of tried a bunch of things and, and figure out what worked for me. And, and um, I think actually one thing I'll say is adding the social accountability, like really announcing it both publicly, but also to my friends and family helped a lot because I think they were very supportive, right? Like I wasn't pressured to drink at events. People were like understanding. And in fact, a number of my friends who were heavy, heavy drinkers also quit or did like a law extended, like, you know, they, they quit for like six months or like permanently. And um, it's been nice to be on that journey with other people, you know, because uh, you don't have, you have someone who's at that your stage to relate to. So I, it was surprising because like me and one of my other friends, um, you know, we're like probably the biggest drinkers of our friend group, but we, and the people you would least expect to quit, you know, but, but um, when we quit, it was, it was uh, everyone was very supportive. And I think have creating that, you know, not making it a solo journey really helped me stay consistent. Yeah, and I think um, definitely the support from others, from friends and family really creates that social accountability. But it's interesting how you didn't go about getting any, uh, I guess, uh, and I use this in, in quote marks, but expert support from like a, a therapist or, or potentially a physician. Did that ever like cross your mind at any point? Not really, to be honest. You know, I, I wasn't like, I think there are people who are, my, my 
alcohol addiction was not, I wouldn't say it was like critical. Like I was, a, I'm very functional, you know, I was very functional. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, wasn't at my, I wasn't at my lowest point. It wasn't ever, it wasn't like a, you know, like a, a part where I was like having real serious health concerns or anything like that yet, you know, who knows what would happen. But so I, I felt like it was never out of, like I, I would have moments of times of out of control, but it wasn't like, oh, my life is spiraling and down the drain or something like that. And so for me, I think it just seemed like something, oh, I should be able to do this. And I just was, you know, I'd never even crossed my mind like to, to get more support. I had been to AA before actually, and like years prior. And I didn't find it like, it was interesting, but like, it didn't really, it didn't stick. Like I only went to one meeting. And so, you know, I don't know. At this time I just said like, oh, I can, it just seemed like something I could do, you know? I love how you've been so vocal about this, Justin. You've shared this on Twitter. Uh, and I think figures like yourself speaking about this really helps, I guess, break down the stigma surrounding alcohol and everything around the relationship with alcohol. One thing that I thought was quite interesting that you said was that um, you did this for you know the, the social accountability, getting the support from the friends and families that, that you had around, uh, around yourself, which turned out to be a really successful method. But I was curious, because of the stigma surrounding alcohol addiction and, and, and everything around alcohol, were you ever hesitant about posting this on Twitter? And was there ever a time that you were like, oh man, uh, should I post this or not? Well, I mean, you are talking to the guy who streamed his life 24-7 to the internet. <laughs> so I wasn't like, I didn't feel that hesitant at all. No, um, I think it is more actually that, you know, I, I thought, oh man, like, there's a stigma, you know, from when I grew up, when I was, when I was in high school and college, it's like the guy, if you didn't drink, that's like fucking lame. Right. So it was more like, Oh, what am I going to be? Is it, am I going to be fun? Is it going to be fun? Am I going to be able to go out and like dance? Like, could I dance sober? Right. Like those were the more of my hesitations uh, than, than kind of like how I, how I announced it to, to people or being public about it. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you're, you're used to the limelight and the spotlight. So that, that sort of makes sense. And I guess since you've quit, which is, uh, as you said, two years now, how's your life changed, Justin? We just have so much more hours in the day, first of all, right? Like every, you're know, cutting out all drinking. Like I can wake up in the morning. I'm like exercising every, I've exercised every day for the last two years of some, in some form. And you know, that's impossible if you're drinking heavily. Uh, so I feel like I'm in the best health shape ever, you know, from a, um, from a health perspective. I feel like actually I've lost a lot of weight. Uh, well, maybe not a lot, but like, I'm just like feel a lot healthier and, um, is, you know, that's kind of another thing. And then in terms of like, just doing things that are just, you know, occasionally just getting completely blotto and doing something really stupid. Like that's completely, that risk is completely mitigated, which is amazing. You know? So, I mean, I, I don't judge, I don't sit in judgment of people who drink, right? Like I love drinking and I, I think it's, there's a lot of benefits that are con- you know, kind of short-term benefits, I should say, that are from drinking in society, right? The way we structured our society mm-hmm. today. I do think it's important to kind of show an alternative perspective of like, hey, you can have a really healthy, amazing, beautiful, fun, entertaining, exciting life without drinking. And so, you know, that's kind of one of my things I hope to do through being more public about it. And and that's, uh, I definitely commend you for, for doing that, uh, Justin. And I guess like, how has that then had a knock-on impact on on your family, you now being sober for, for two years? I think it's improved my relationship with my family for sure. Like, no, there's no question about that. Like, I'm just a better husband, better father, better person, you know, and and um, I think drinking, you know, I was often using drinking to escape emotional 
experiences that I was like, that I felt were tough, right? Like, so if I felt sad or upset about something, I'd like, oh, I drank, right? Even if I wasn't getting completely blotto, it's like, okay, I'll have a few drinks, right? And the interesting thing is like, when you don't have that option, you know, for me, I've been forced to confront the experience of sadness or anger or anxiety. And then, and, and be okay being with who I am in my present moment experience. And I think it's very important in terms of my own personal growth, spiritual growth, emotional growth, just to be able to be present with my experience and not fight against it, not want things to be different, not look for an escape. And um, yeah, that's been a very powerful thing for me. Uh, I remember you telling me that meditation uh, has helped you a, a lot over the, over the last two years. So how did you, I guess, get into that in the first place? Yeah. So around the same time, actually, I quit drinking maybe a little bit before I started meditating regularly and um, started off with a transcendental meditation. Actually, I started off with Headspace, you know, for a couple uh, weeks and then did a transcendental meditation or TM, uh, which is a mantra based meditation. And then from there, kind of found Vipassana meditation. And, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Um, yeah. And so you mentioned before alcohol was almost that vice when you were stressed, when you were, um, when you were anxious, has meditation now replaced that? Or are there other techniques that you're now using to cope with, you know, uh, negative emotions like stress and anxiety? Well, meditation, it's interesting because it, it hasn't replaced it in the same sense as like when I'm stressed out, I meditate. It's like more meditation is the practice that allows you to see your present moment experience. So, oh, I feel this. Sometimes I might feel sadness or anger before and never even know it. But now I'm like, oh, I feel this. And where is, does it appear in the body? And what is the experience of being sad or angry or whatever? And do I need things to be different? And then the answer being, oh, I don't necessarily need to. I can be with this experience. And then of course it passes because the human body is not designed to like, you know, maintain emotion for like days or weeks or years, right? Like usually you're, you're angry. And then five minutes later, assuming the threat has passed, you like are, have a calm mind after, you know, if you're able to be with it and let it pass. Um, if you're ruminating and you're spitting yourself up over and over again, you're like, Oh, fuck this guy. He did this thing. He did this thing to me. And I'm really mad about it. And then you just keep in that thought cycle, that thought loop, then you can be angry for a long, long time until it becomes a mood. Right. And so for me, meditation, it's not like it was a direct replacement for alcohol in that I would, you know, be angry, drink, or be, be upset, drink. And then I would go be upset, meditate. It's more like it gave me the skill to just be upset and then let that upset pass and not be mm. in the, not, not be sucked along with it. That makes a ton of sense. And then when you did experience those emotions, such as uh, sadness and anxiety, how did you then, uh, I guess, tackle those uh, like in the, in those last two years? Yeah. So it's really just, doing the mindfulness technique of, of seeing like hearing, you know, kind of feeling it in the body. Like, what does it feel like? What is this experience being curious about it? What's causing this? Like what, what about my past is making me react it this way? Like generating these reactive feelings, um, you know, today being curious about it and inquisitive. And then my experience is usually then it just, it passes, you know, yeah. there's this, there's this, um, Buddhist analogy, I guess, for meditation or that meditation is, you know, your thought, there's a, you're, you're like a river, right? Your experience consciousness is like a river and you experience um, this flowing river of, of emotions, thoughts, you know, perception, uh, perceptions and, and physiological experiences, like all of these, like this, these experiences are, are floating by you. And then 
usually you're in the river, right? You're unconscious. You don't know you're getting swept along. Like something happens that makes you angry. And then you're like, you're angry and you're upset and you're like pulled along. And meditation is, is really the practice that gets you out of the river and you're standing on the riverbanks. You still experience anger and sadness and upset and whatever else it is, or the joy and, and all these other things, but you're not pulled along with them. You're right. You have, there's a disconnection there. And, um, that's my experience. I mean, I'm not an expert by any means. I'm, I'm still a novice in this path, but that's really what's helped me a lot. No, appreciate you sharing that, Justin. And yeah, very, very profound and deep. So thank you so much for that. Uh, and just to end, uh, I guess, what advice do you have for others who are out there who want to improve their relationship with alcohol? Yeah. So, so for me, and it's different for every person, but for me, black and white was easier than making the choice every day, right? Like I tried techniques of saying, oh, I'm going to limit my drinking to this number of days a week or this amount of drinks a day. And having to use willpower was too hard because I have a limited willpower. So being, I was saying, Oh, I'm going to stop after this one. That's hard. But saying I'm never going to drink, that's easy. So that was for me, that was the, a big breakthrough in, in quitting. That's one. And then the second is, you know, if I, I, I mean, I think I had, I was somebody who I, and I still consider myself somebody who loves alcohol. And, you know, so hopefully my ability to, to quit is, is inspirational for, for many people out there who, who um, want to make a change as well. You know, I'm just one person, but um, you know, work for me, even though, even though I was someone who was very firmly in, entrenched in the alcohol culture, you know, I couldn't agree with you more there, uh, Justin, and I'm sure this story will will help so many others, inspire so many others, uh, break down that stigma around addiction. And there will be uh, there will be others out there that you know can quit in the same vein that 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 you quit um, using you know the techniques that you used and and the streaks apps and the psychological uh, forms of changing your behavior. And there'll be others that that as we mentioned that are on the other side of the addiction spectrum that may need some uh, added support and that's really what we're we're trying to do here at quit genius and is to make that i guess evidence-based support easy to access and affordable for for everyone out there who who does need that support because unfortunately it's actually a problem that's far more common than than we know at this moment in time so justin i'd just like to end by thanking you so much for joining me today i really appreciate you spending the time with me and being so open about your experiences Beautiful. I love your mission and I wish you the best, Maru. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Justin, just to end as well, uh, please, can you let everyone know the the links for, for folks to find you and your, your podcast? Oh, yeah. So you can find my Twitter at Justin Khan. That's K-A-N. And my podcast is called The Quest. It's on uh, you know iTunes and or Apple and, and Spotify, wherever, wherever you find your podcasts. And uh, you can check out that app, Kin, uh, my habit tracking app at kinapp.co. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and thank you for tuning in. You can find out more about Quit Genius on quitgenius.com and the podcast on missionrecoverypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed our content, I'd really appreciate if you could subscribe and consider leaving us a review. Thank you. Thank you.